and welcome to Letters from the Lunchroom, a podcast by Communities and Schools of Mid-America. I'm your host, Victoria Partridge. Communities and Schools is a nationwide nonprofit which connects students and their families to local resources in order to remove barriers so that they will have greater success in school and in life. During this podcast, we talk to people who have a relationship with our organization, From students to staff members and alumni to volunteers, we know that people who connect with nonprofits have a story that led them there, and we want to know that story. Today, we are talking with Julie Phillips, Grants Manager with CIS of Mid-America. Please join us as Julie shares her CIS story, the impact the lives of her students have had on her, and her newest, not exactly work-related project. Hi, Julie, and welcome to the lunchroom. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I am really excited to talk to you. But before we get into the conversation part, would you please take a moment and introduce yourself to the audience? Um, I'm Julie Phillips. I am the Communities and Schools of Mid-America Grants Manager, which just means I spend a lot of time writing and reporting to funders to make sure that our programming stays intact at all of our sites. But prior to this role, I was a site coordinator at Topeka High School for three years. Awesome. Um, And so I kind of alluded to this whenever we were off the record, um, but I'm going to put it on the record so that I'm really looking forward to talking to you and having this interview because you and I go way back, like back before either of us had kids, back before either of us knew about communities and schools. And so there are things that we know about each other. But one of the things that I don't know about you is how you actually got started with communities and schools. So if you would take me back to the beginning, where did it all start? Um, So I've been working in nonprofit since I was 15. Um, kids have always been my passion, always been the population that I wanted to work with. I was a VISTA for the Big Brothers Big Sisters program in Topeka. Then right after that, I worked at Boys and Girls Club, which I will tell you is like the hardest transition of company names. Uh, I would just answer the phone and I would say, Big Brothers Girls Club, I don't know where I am. Can I help you? (laughs) Sometimes. Um, And then I stayed home for a little bit with my son and then went to work for juvenile intake, which is where law enforcement brings uh, anyone under the age of 18 for any reason. So we got offenders, we got children in need of care. We got truancy, runaways, kind of ran the gamut. And then I saw that there was an opening with communities and schools for a couple high school positions. And I was really interested because I knew just a tiny, tiny bit about communities and schools. But it was a chance to kind of work with a lot of the kids that I had seen come through intake. But I couldn't really do anything longer term with them because our time with them there was very short. But my time with them at Topeka High could be much more extended and I could do a lot more for them. So that's kind of 
how I ended up with communities and schools. So what made you want to start working with nonprofits in the first place? Um, So growing up, my mom, while she has always had corporate jobs, for the most part, she um, was always the United Way liaison or campaign director at every company. So we did a lot of painting houses, delivering turkeys for Thanksgiving, delivering presents for Christmas when I was growing up. Um, And so I I started to get exposed pretty early to um, the work that United Way does and the people that United Way serves, which was always very interesting to me. Um, Actually, in high school, I entered a business plan competition through a class and most people did, you know, like a restaurant or a corporation. And I entered a nonprofit business plan into the competition for a uh, summer football program that would serve at-risk youth. And I won and got to go to a kind of a state competition with it. So that was really fun. So I think I've just always been interested in nonprofit and the idea of helping people being the main purpose of your work. Well, and, you know, I alluded to the fact that like we've known each other for a while, but even whenever I knew you prior, we knew each other in kind of a very different way from CIS because we used to hang out at a bar together quite a bit, but you were still always like the helper. (laughs) You know, you've always been a helper, you know, whether you're helping people uh, with some things that are, you know, considered at risk, or you're helping bands with maybe their merchandise. (laughs) Um, You've always been a helper. I always make a joke that that was my previous life and I've lived a lot of lives. But yeah, I mean, I think it's just naturally a part of who I am. I try to base everything I do on kindness. I talk to people about being kind all the time. It's one of the main staples in how I raise my children. It's definitely how I interact in the world and with other people is always to try to lead with kindness and patience Um, and really let other people share where they're at and not make any assumptions. So it kind of comes up in lots of different things. Sometimes it probably uh, tends to overextend me a little bit, (laughs) but I'm learning to manage that. Working at communities and schools at Topeka High really helped me learn to manage my helper tendencies to focus on what my capability was in addition to my desire to help. Mm-hmm. Well, and so let's talk a little bit more about that shift that you talked about earlier, whenever you went from the site coordinator to your current role. Why did you decide to make that transition? And, and tell me what it's been like for you. Um, it was honestly probably the hardest professional decision I've ever had to make because I, I wasn't ever unhappy Um, In my role at Topeka High, I miss those kids every day. But I saw this as an opportunity to serve the organization and serve more students in a larger capacity. So instead of working for one school, now I'm ensuring that our program is in schools across our network and that more students continue to receive the work that I know is effective, that I know makes a difference because I saw it working. 
And, you know, I believe in this organization with all my heart and to be able to continue um, in a new capacity was exciting. But I also actually went to school to fundraise. That was um, when I graduated, I have a degree in public relations from Washburn. And my intention was to use that to fundraise for nonprofits. It just took me a long time to separate from the direct work with children to get back into that fundraising role. But it definitely was my intention from the beginning to help fundraise. Well, and I'll say, I personally find it extremely impressive that you're good at doing both direct services and indirect services. Um, because I have seen you in both roles and you're truly outstanding in them. Um, I know for me, I'm better behind the scenes, um, because I (laughs) tend to have that, uh, lack of balance whenever I'm in the like front, um, helping people directly. You know what I mean? So I, I just kind of, I don't know, I I get obsessed and yeah, it's, it's not healthy. (laughs) So I, I try, I just stay behind the scenes where I know that I can do a lot of good and that's where my strengths are. I think one of the things that has helped me, um, well, one, I've just always had a passion for nonprofits. So I've really known what I was getting myself into the whole time. But when I worked at intake, Mm -hmm. um, our time with kids was pretty short, um, sometimes as short as, you know, a few minutes, maybe a couple hours. So our ability to really make an impact on their lives was short. And so I really looked at it and I continue to look at things like a puzzle and the kids, the things that kids need are the puzzle. Whatever is going to make them successful is the puzzle. And if I don't complete my piece of that puzzle, then no one else can put their pieces in and it won't be complete. But at the same time, I have no control over if people put their pieces in or not. But I do have control over whether or not my piece is there. And if my piece is not there, how can I expect any other pieces to be there as well? And so that's how I kind of balance, especially when you work with social services and different agencies and different things where you might feel that level of disappointment or you might feel like kids are not getting everything that they need. If you really look at it like I did everything that I could, it really helps put into perspective what everyone is doing for that child and how you played a role in that. And kids see that. Kids see that you gave it everything you could And that makes a difference. And sometimes your piece takes up a bigger section of that puzzle than it would have if you wouldn't have given your all. That's seriously so wise. (laughs) I I was like (laughs) writing notes while you were saying it because that is, (laughs) it's critical information to be passed along to anybody who does any sort of work with nonprofits, whether you're a volunteer, whether you're a funder, whether you're a staff member. It's really critical Mm -hmm. to remember that you are playing one piece of the puzzle and it's critical that you complete your piece of the puzzle because that one piece makes an impact, but it is just one piece. And I think that's really important. And even if it's small, you know that another piece might fit better because of that small role that you played. See, it's perfect. Well done. That is, (laughs) I'm just like over here just 
Yes, yes. It makes so much sense. I love that. So I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about a project that you have been working on. Um, it is related to communities and schools, um, but uh-huh. it is not part of your job. So um, I want to talk about gun violence. June, which is when we are recording and releasing this podcast, is Gun Violence Awareness Month. Um, Mm -hmm. Recently, just a few weeks before graduation, um, one of our CIS of Mid-America students, Jaheem Meredith, was tragically killed. Um, He was shot and killed. And I know that this is a person who you had worked with previously. And I also know that he wasn't the first student who you had personally known who had lost their life due to gun violence. Um, however, I know that you took your grief and you turned it into something really positive. And so if you would share what you've been working on in regards to gun violence. So I think it's pretty clear that the state of our country right now is pretty tense Um, and heated. And instead of being angry, instead of, um, you know, just being mad at a distance, I took all my feelings and emotions and I channeled it into a project that I call uh, Say Their Names Rock Project. Um, And what I do is take the names of those killed by gun violence or gun-related suicide, and I paint their names on orange rocks, which is the color of gun violence awareness, and I uh, place them in the community that I live and beyond. We have already started making plans to place them in other communities, and I hope that they get moved to other communities, but the goal is that they're seen, that they're moved, that they're shared, and that people see that name and it it stops becoming just a name and it becomes that person that was lost. I also place the ages of the victims when they were taken because it makes a powerful statement. No one that I have painted is of an age where you would expect them to have passed away. An alarming number of them are 18, which is I think really powerful to see because that's when your life should be starting. That's not when your life should be ending. Similar to Jaheem, he was just days away from graduation. He was the homecoming king. He had everything in front of him, all the potential, all the personality to really just take over whatever he wanted to do. And that was cut short by a gun. And so I've taken what I've always believed is uh, a serious issue, particularly in the community that I live. And I've tried to raise awareness by just honoring those we've lost. And it has become a community of people who care about each other, who love each other, who, while connected by significant loss, are doing amazing things in honor of their loved ones. And that time, that person that never goes away for these families. You may read an article, you may see a name, and that name, you know, you may never think of it again, but for these families, that never goes away. That loss is always there, and we should also be helping to remember those names. So I actually started with just the names of students that I had lost while uh, 
Um, I was at Topeka High. So I started making rocks for AJ McKinney, for Trey Rice, for Ashley Usher, who was lost just after I switched positions. And honestly, it stuck with me. Uh, I think of Ashley every, every day, I think, because I can see them. I can see their personalities. I can see all the things that they could have done with their lives. I can see all the things that were not yet developed in them, but all the things that could have been. And I just had to do something. I couldn't sit in my anger. I couldn't sit in my sadness any longer. And I'm so grateful for the community of support that has surrounded the project that has it's still very much in its infancy, um, but I've already made um, over a hundred rocks so far in the last week, and it's only going to grow from here. I'm pretty committed to the long haul on this. I've had a lot of people ask me when the project would end, and I guess the pipe dream would be that there's no more names to paint on rocks, that we have ended gun violence in our country. Um, but until that time, I plan to keep fighting and keep spreading the word and keep trying to save another life. And you said that you've painted over a hundred rocks in just the past week. Um, today is, we're recording this podcast on June 9th of 2020. When did you start this project? Uh, May 30th. And how many people are already in the Facebook group? Uh, my Facebook group just hit over 2,000 members, but I expect it to really grow a lot. I'm kind of preparing myself because my local news stations have are airing stories about it, so I think it will grow more. And then my list of names is over 300 now. Wow. So a couple of additional questions regarding that. Um, if someone wanted to find more information about this project, how would they go about finding it? So it's a Facebook group. So you can just go to Facebook and either type in facebook.com backslash say their names rock project, or you can search for say their names rock project. um, And you'll see the picture is one of the orange rocks with the statistic that every day, more than 100 people are killed in the United States. Um, So that's kind of the main statistic that I use. Um, I also paint different statistics related to gun violence and suicide on rocks and place them kind of alongside some of the names so that people are getting that powerful statement and understanding of why we're doing this. And what does somebody do if they happen to find one of these rocks? So, um, The directions are also painted on the bottom. What I hope happens is that people take a picture of the rock and post it in the group so we can follow the journey. And then they take that rock and place it in another location. It can be in another city, in another state. The more the rocks move, the more people see them and the more people are aware of the impact of gun violence in our country. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for sharing that information about that project. Like I said, it's not a part of the work that you're doing with communities and schools, but it is very much part of our work that we are doing because, as you mentioned, there are students, CIS of Mid-America students, that we have already lost due to gun violence. Um, And it is something that affects not only students in our network, 
but also their family members. So I think it's very important. As we wrap up this first part of this episode, um, there is a question that I do want to ask you. I ask everybody this. What is one of your favorite CIS memories? Um, oh, that's hard. I, I feel like I could give you a favorite memory of like every kid that I have interacted with, but one of my favorite memories, because I can remember it so clearly is I had a student who, uh, had a really difficult home life and particularly leading into his senior year, um, had major conflicts with his father. His mother lived in Texas and ended up by December, he was homeless and he really didn't know what he was going to do. He had applied to go to Washburn and kind of given up on the idea that he would play football anymore, which he had been playing and working very hard at, and he was just kind of surviving. Um, I helped him get settled in with um, an adult that he knew that worked at the school so that he had a place to stay for the rest of the school year, but he was kind of on his own. He worked almost full time and took care of himself and made sure that everything was always taken care of. He, uh, had good attendance, his grades were good, he stayed focused, and come January, he started getting requests to visit schools and offers for scholarships to play football, and this boy was so humbled and so surprised. We sat in my office so many days looking at these offers and trying to navigate what they meant and how much that equated to and what else he would have to come up with. So that when he finally picked schools, um, he had a signing day and typically at a signing day, what happens is the parents, you know, have a table and they bring snacks and all your family comes. Well, this boy was homeless. Who was going to do that? Well, of course I was going to do all that stuff for him. So I set up a table with the colored tablecloths. I got him a lemon cake with lemon frosting, which you know, who cares if anyone else liked it? It was his favorite and he was over the moon. I got, you know, the color coded silverware and it was beautiful. His mom ended up being able to come from Texas and I got to meet her and she was so grateful and appreciative of um, what communities and schools was doing and how I was there for her son. She took a million selfies with me and it's one of my fondest memories because that kid could have given up. He could have given up a hundred times, but if he would have given up, he would have missed this chance to chase his dreams. And now he's getting a private school, beautiful college education. He's playing football at a school that has a really good program and he is working and he is thriving. He is just thriving. And I could not be more proud. And we're still Facebook friends. And I follow him and talk to him. And I adore him to this day. Oh my gosh. That's (laughs) mind blowing. Like what, what a weight to have on you to be working so many hours, trying to do well in school, trying to get into college and then Mm -hmm. also being homeless. I'm stunned. And again, so incredibly grateful that communities and schools was there to help him and to play this role 
in, in a way that we only we can do because of the way that we, our program is set up, that we are able to come into a student's life and help them out with truly whatever they need, whether it is navigating offers, offer letters that they've received or setting up a table at their signing day or something, you know, like finding them a place to sleep at night. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He really got the full gamut of our services. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So for the record, you made me cry, which I haven't done in many an episode, but I, it was, it was the whole idea of not having anybody there whenever he's accomplished so much. Um, and the, just the gratitude I feel knowing you as a human and knowing that he had you and how lucky he was to have you there for him that day. And I'm so glad that, you know, he did have additional support as well that showed up to, you know, celebrate him, but Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's so amazing. You oh. know, they always, People always say, I have my school mom. You've heard, I'm sure you've heard kids say, I have my school mom. Uh I really did become his school mom when they, he was, oh, a beautiful singer on top of all of this. So when he had his choir concert, um, I escorted him for his senior choir concert. Um, So I played the role of his parent. And then for the Mother's Day concert, his senior year, right before graduation, he invited me and gave me his rose when other people were taking roses to their moms and yeah so i obviously and you know me victoria i'm not a crier i was bawling in that library listening to him sing holding that rose like just beaming beaming with pride oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna give myself a chance to um recoup so we're going to take just a little break and then we will be back with a second serving of letters in the lunchroom so stay tuned welcome back as part of our show we ask each guest to write a letter to the students that communities and schools serves the only guideline they are given is that it must come from the heart. So Julie, if you would, please share your letter. I would love to. To my 277 caseload students and the hundreds of students I had the privilege of getting to know during my three years at Topeka High School, thank you. Thank you for letting me into your life and trusting me with your hopes, dreams, fears, and secrets. I never took that responsibility lightly. Seeing you fight through challenges, overcome barriers, and reach your goals filled my heart with incredible pride. My life in this world is better because each of one, each one of you is here. I am so grateful to still be able to see so many of you pursuing your passions and growing into amazing adults. And to those we have lost, I miss you every day. I think of you often and you have left an indelible mark on my life and those who knew you. To all CIS students, know you are incredible. Even on your worst days, that fire inside you still burns so bright. Pay attention to that warmth and fan those flames. Nothing is impossible no matter how hard or how far away it seems because that fire, it will always propel you forward. As we sit on the edge of a turning point in our history, we look to you. You are the future of our country. In your hands and hearts is the power to right the wrongs of previous generations. 
Don't let anyone silence you or tell you you don't matter. I see you. I see you fighting for what you believe in, for what you know is right, for what you know needs to change. Keep going. Keep working for change. I see you. I hear you and I support you. Don't stop speaking, marching, voting, and loving. Be true to who you are because who you are is an incredible gift. No matter the color of your skin, your ethnicity, your gender, your orientation, your identity, you matter in this world. You matter to me. To all those young people who I've had the honor to know and all those who I have not met, I believe in you just the same. I love you and I am proud of you. Well, you had kind of warned me that your letter could potentially be emotional and you were right. Um, I think, you know, the audience would agree, especially based on what we talked about in the first part of this episode. Um, So I'm going to make the assumption um, that a lot of what, well, at least some of what you wrote your letter about was based on... um, the current activity in our country and um, Mm -hmm. seeing students, how they're responding to it. Did you find it difficult to decide to write that part of your letter or um, was it, I guess, what inspired you? Was I right? Um, I actually didn't find it difficult because I think these things have to be said we can no longer be silent about the inequality in the way that we treat each other in our country and the way people are treated um, in all levels of our society. And it's time, it's time we come together. It's time we stop pretending like this is not a real problem just because it might not affect us personally. Um, Working with at-risk students, working with communities and schools, I've been able to see the things that people are fighting for happen firsthand. So while I may not experience those, I have witnessed the mistreatment, the, the unfair treatment of those who don't look like me, who don't talk like me, um, who live a different life than me and I cannot be silent to that. And I have to keep fighting and supporting. And I'm so proud when I watch the protests from my community and I see students that I know uh, fighting for what they believe in, fighting for their truth. I, I had such an honor to work at Topeka High Um, in some really tough times in our history, in our political history as well. And I watched students come together. I watched a community of students from every background and every belief system come together for unity and fairness and the equal treatment of each other. Um, And I believe that's, that's not a political issue, that this is just a people issue, that this is a humankind issue, and that I am so proud of our young people for being the voice of the next generation to come and for creating a world where my voice can continue to be kind to everyone and continue to love everyone and continue to keep their pure hearts. Something else that you shared um, 
in your letter that I, I wrote down because I hear this as a reoccurring theme and that is gratitude. I think if we were to go back and listen to all of the letters read by CIS site coordinators, they all are saying thank you to their students, which I think is such a really lovely thing to do um, because it's done so honestly and with such authenticity. And I hope that our students know that even though we are there to help them, we are grateful for them and for the opportunity to help them and for the impact that they have had in our lives. When all we do for our students, they give back to us so much more than we could ever give to them. They have filled my heart to the point where I could tell you it was going to explode, but yet it continued to grow. I, my life is better because of all the students that I got to know. And also I am so much smarter about pop culture and things, <laughs> music, um, fashion. I am so much smarter now. And I'm so much more <laughs> on trend because these kids never let me stay confused for too long. They have always been there for me. It is just the smallest thing that I can do to offer them snacks or to make sure that their homework was getting done or they were taking food home for their family. These are just tiny, tiny things compared to all of the joy that these students have given me and truly I thank them all the time. I still talk to them. Uh, many of the students that I worked with and many of the students that attended Topeka High are still my friends. They're in my Facebook group. Um, they still support me and I still 100% support them. I love that. And I love the way that you talk about the relationship that you have built with them because in the end that's what this is all about when i left my position as a site coordinator before i even knew who was going to take my place um, i started writing uh, a little bios for each caseload student that i knew would be returning or that i hoped would be returning so the next site coordinator wouldn't come in blind so i wrote not just things that would be helpful, like, hey, they struggle in math, or hey, they, you know, really need help in this area, but stuff about them, their favorite colors, what kind of rewards they like, what kind of candy they like to eat, what motivates them, um, you know, things that were pertinent to get to know them, so that when that student met their new site coordinator for the first time, they didn't feel so much like they were meeting a stranger, but they knew that I was still trying to take care of them, even though I wasn't physically at the school anymore. God, that's amazing. Do the students know that you <laughs> did that for them? Um, I don't know if they know. I don't know if Eugene, the new site coordinator, told them or if maybe they just kind of, I know a couple of students knew because they reached out to me kind of worried when they found out that I wasn't coming back. Um, and I did tell them, but mostly I just wanted them to, I wanted to 
ease that transition and create a comfort, not just for the students, but also for the new site coordinator to feel like he wasn't meeting strangers because these were my kids and I couldn't just, I couldn't just walk away from my kids. I had to make sure that their stories were still being told and that their hearts were still being shared with someone else. You are amazing. (laughs) And I'm so glad that you were able to share all of that kindness um, and caring with the students while you were a site coordinator there. But I'm also really glad that you are working with us in the way that you are now, because like you said, it has a different type of impact. And, um, and I totally feel you on that. So, um, with that, we are going to take another quick break and then we will be back to, uh, wrap up the episode with some extra credit questions. And we're back. Okay, Julie, are you ready for some extra credit questions? Yes. Okay. Your first question is, what is one of your favorite songs to sing to whenever you hear it? Um, so in the con, I, I sing to every song because in my car alone, I am the greatest singer you've ever met. I'm the greatest mm-hmm. rapper. I have all the musical skills as long as I am alone in my car. Mm-hmm. Um, but what in the context of this show, one of the songs I love to sing is called Rainbow by Casey Musgrave. So it's a country song and I'm not a big country person, but it's about um, how people who kind of live in storms don't always see that they're a beautiful rainbow themselves. And it reminds me of our caseload kids. And I would often listen to it after a hard day um, just to remind myself that they don't even know how special they are, but I know. Mm-hmm. I love that. Okay. So you said that song was in a relation to like the, the podcast and what we talk about here, but mm-hmm. what would be one of the songs if it wasn't related to Oh, I am a super Post Malone fan, so I love to fancy myself a little bit of a rapper in my spare time, which the kids nice. loved when they would come into my office and I was listening to the same rap music that they liked because they were really surprised. I don't know what they thought I listened to, but oh yeah, Drake <laughs> and Post Malone are some of my serious go-tos right now. Yes, yes, awesome. Okay, so your next question is... If you could pick one superpower to have, what would you choose and why? Um, I would probably fly or like teleport something of that nature because I think it would save so much time in my day. Um, mm-hmm. This is always a hard question for me. Cause I'm not sure what I would want to have, but I know absolutely I would not want to read minds because I, right. I don't want to know what people are really thinking and I don't know why anyone would. So right. flying sounds good. Reading minds. Absolutely not. Yeah. Hard pass on reading minds. Yeah. Okay. So your final question is what is the number one reason why you feel that people should get involved with communities in schools? Um, It goes along the lines with what I said before, that you will get more out of this 
in whatever role you play than whatever you think you gave. Because these kids are so amazing and so incredible and they crave these relationships and they will provide you with so much joy and so much pride in whatever role you choose to be involved in, whether that's site coordinator, whether it's actually working for us or whether it's um, any number of our volunteer roles. I have watched high school kids put their phones away and genuinely interact with volunteers in our Future Now Finance program and take that advice and really use it. I've watched them meet bankers and then go to that bank and sign up for a bank account because of the relationship that they built with that person they met for five minutes during Future Now Finance. So I think everyone should be involved with communities and schools because I know it works. I literally have seen it in the lives of our kids. And I know that you will get more out of it than you will ever give. And if people who are listening are like, you know, hey, I'm in, I want to get involved, but I, you know, I don't have time. Well, that's fine. You know, there are lots of other ways to get involved. You don't have to be a volunteer. Um, Although we do have multiple ways that you can volunteer, whether it's for something uh, long-term, like you're coming to the school regularly to do tutoring or whether it's just one-off, like you're helping with the Future Now Finance event. We also are always accepting monetary donations. And if nothing else, if you will please just share what we are doing, spread the word. Um, We are on social media. We've got a great website. And, you know, talking about us and sharing the work that we're doing is always very appreciated. Yes. Please go to the website. It's amazing. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you. So, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, Julie, for joining us. Um, and I want to thank everybody else for joining us on this episode of Letters from the Lunchroom. Uh, before we let Julie go, is there anything else that you would like to add? I just want to say thank you for having me. And again, thank you. Thank you to all the students mm-hmm. that I have known who have shared any part of their lives with me, even if it was just a funny story or a joke or a frustration in a, in a, in a moment, I appreciate every single interaction I've ever had with you. And I'm here for you if you need anything. So with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this episode of Letters from the Lunchroom. For more information on communities and schools of MidAmerica, please check out our website at cismidamerica.org. You can learn more about the Say Their Names Rock Project by searching Say Their Names Rock Project on Facebook. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast, leave us a rating, and follow us on social media at CIS MidAmerica. I'm your host, Victoria Partridge, and until next time, class is dismissed.